to say yes sir and then the bible goes on to say eh eh if you are obedient you are calling the bible ala ba shake bredo sokolo hey hallelujah ah no let's do this thing give me first peter chapter 3 i feel the anointing to teach this thing if the light goes on it's not enough it's not enough for the light to go on the bible says the light shines No, my life will not just go on. It's not enough that you cleared. You have to be excellent. Your life, no, 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 it's, it's not enough that you feel perfect. And he has put all things under his side, under his side. So you need to pay attention to what I'm going to introduce to you. Very exciting stuff. Eh? Shall we pray? Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so happy uh, that you've accorded us this opportunity to gather together and to break bread. We ask that as the word comes in to our hearts, we each are going to be good ground that will be able to bear and plant trees, gardens, and forests of your grace that you're making available that a week from today we are going to see fruit of the word that you're going to drop into our hearts we submit to the leading of the spirit the authority of the word and the lordship of Jesus but I let no one miss out on your grace that you're making available in this special service it's in the name of the lord Jesus Christ of Nazareth we have prayed as every child of God shouts amen So we have generally been looking at uh most often unattended to doors, right? And this is uh, a teaching that began way back in May or somewhere there. And in this teaching we are basically talking about how that it's possible that there could be parts of you that you don't know you have but you have them. it's very possible and many people are like that so we began looking at examples to bring about understanding we looked at a man named adam adam did not have a helpmate kalulu's had a partner elephants mbebas they all had a partner except him it must have been a sad and lonely period of time for him and i was telling you i could imagine him looking at god with puppy eyes just asking for someone to be with because he was very lonely and one angel probably went to god to ask for adam but before the angel could open his mouth god said Shh. he has everything he needs and the angel couldn't understand and then god said watch 
And the Bible says, and he put him into a deep sleep. And he took of his side, or his rib, and he built a woman out of that side. In other words, God did not come with a woman from the dimensions of the heavenly realms and dropped her. The Bible shows us, I was hoping by now they would have placed it there. The Bible shows us that God opened him up and took a side of him or a rib. By the way, did you know that a rib will grow back when it's removed? Yes. In other words, he doesn't have a missing rib. <laughs> so if you are praying and you are saying, Lord, who's missing lib? <laughs> There's someone out there, Lord, without a lib. Go count them. He has all of them. Very intelligent God. You are praying about it? It's in Genesis chapter 2. In other words, from that point, we see that Eve was in Adam. So what Adam needed was already on the inside of him. And I was telling you last week, the other week, that if you want to know who to marry, the best picture you have is yourself. And if you want to know, there's a difference between who you should, who you you are to marry and who you deserve to marry. Let me explain them. The person you are to marry is in the perfect will of God. But because many people have never lived in the perfect will of God, they should marry the one they deserve to marry. Because the one that you deserve to marry is a reflection of the life you have lived. Oh yes, let me explain this thing. <laughs> you know, sometimes I have seen people, no, listen to me. I know many of you are single. Let me explain this to you. There's this thing that happens in churches where after someone has played, 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 then they say, mm, they even know, at, okay, marriage material in the church. So they will come like sheep, but they are only in sheep clothing. They are only in sheep's clothing. They are really ravenous wolves. So now when they feel like they've reached marriageability age, especially men, they are the ones with this foolishness. So now they will begin hunting for a kachet girl. To marry the one that you deserve, God now in his mercy will also call another fool you used to be with. In the same kind of life, but you don't know each other. She will also say, I'm going to the church so that someone can find me. Because every Zambian woman says they want a God-fearing man. Whatever that means. I won't say names, but I saw a very a public figure. <laughs> I won't say her name. Oh, I'm fighting it. And she said she wanted God-fearing what? I thought you were all over the news. What you did. 
I mean, the first time you were famous is because you were demanding a payment and they never paid you. <laughs> but on TV, she said, I, I, I want to marry. I'm looking for a God-fearing man. I said, okay. So what will now happen is both of them, the spirit will lead them into church. Led by the spirit. Then in a big church, you know, the worship leader will now say, we're going to pray and we're going to sing, open the eyes of my heart. Then they will both lift their unholy hands and they will say, open the eyes of my... Then the spirit will say, open forth thine eyes. <laughs> then they will turn towards each other. And as they walk out of church, you know, he will go close to her, bump into her, she will drop her bag, then he will pick it. Then they will look at each other like this. <laughs> And me, I'm very quick to make you get married fast because I don't like single people dating long. I'll be very... By the time you're telling me, Pastor, you will find yourself saying, I do. I... <laughs> and then the rest will be history. God has saved the church. Amen. Anyways, God fearing man. So, you will get the one you deserve. You deserve. So, <laughs> okay, listen. So, I was saying, if you, that's why you live correctly, eh? mm. live correctly. Mm -hmm. So, I was saying, but if you're already married, God will help you. God will help you. I would, you see, God has a way of making things work. I'm just talking to the single, but I said, if you, if you are now already in that state, uh, there's enough wisdom in God to help you. You can have the best marriage ever. And what you now have is a testimony. All you need to do is set up an appointment and ask him. Okay. So, if you want to know who to marry, look at yourself. <laughs> when you look at yourself, you know the kind of girl you should marry. You know the kind of man you can be married to. If you are funny, you always like joking around. You know, you need someone who is like, who love laughs. Otherwise, it will be wild for you. If your primary assignment is singing, it's good. it would be good for you. Ask God, at least you should have a basic gift of singing. Otherwise, sometimes it's wild. You want to sing? Your friend really wants to sing with you. You are singing in C major. <laughs> They're going to X minor. <laughs> X minor flat seven. <laughs> You deserve it. Then they now start backing you. <laughs> you deserve it. Hosanna. 
So, um, it's important to look at yourself because it's going to be very difficult when you are... <laughs> we are concluding the week of laughter. Now, so, Eve had to come out of Adam. Amen came out of. That's why when he saw her, he said, flesh of my flesh. And the Lord goes, it is not good for man. And Adam said, this is now. No, take, take me back. I want to show you something. And the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a help comparable to him. Let's go. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whichever Adam called each living creature had the same. So Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to, the, to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a help comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. Now, I want you to mark this scripture, because I'll come back to it. And he took out of his ribs. He took out of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. The Bible doesn't say he sutured it, closed. That means there was no mark that an operation had happened. One of the things that you see there was, there was um, an anesthesia that was administered to him. God was trying to show you proper surgery happening there. Because God can't do, if you don't do that kind of operation, you should awake. <laughs> you sleep. Interestingly, God did not suture him. He closed up the flesh. That means we are about 6,000 years behind the technology of God. As long as we can't close up the flesh but suture it, we are 6,000 years behind God's technology. And if 10,000 years from now, we still can't close up the flesh that is that can't tell something happened to him when he wakes up, then we'll be 10,000 years behind God's technology. So all doctors must stop posting. So anyways, and the Lord God <laughs> and closed up the flesh, closed up the flesh in its place. Let's go. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken out from Adam's proper recording of what was happening. Then the rib which the Lord God had taken from the man, he made it into a woman and he brought her to the man. The Bible doesn't say he said anything. Let's go. And Adam said, so God was quiet. Him, he just dropped her there. So that no one should blame him. Because you see, a woman will always be a mystery. Even when God created her, he put that chemistry thing.
for example, you cannot take away being emotional from a woman. Whatever you do, she doesn't even know she's been emotional. She just, she's just been herself. And you are thinking, relax. I am relaxed! <laughs> okay. Oh, that was so, that was so calm. It's the calmest voice I've ever heard. You can. Can you imagine? How many have read the story of Abraham? Abraham. Who approached Abraham to sleep with the maid? Who? Says, no. You are lazy. By now, would have had a child. Says, no, mommy. God, eh. I'm growing old. You think me, I can have a child? Uh, you know, I believe in your wisdom, sir. I believe in your wisdom. We do this thing. Out of wife and depression, he went and slept with the, the maid. And they had a child. By now, she is dead. And he had a child. Then now, when the maid became pregnant and the, has never been pregnant, the mama, she began, she began humiliating her. And Sarah was so upset. Guess what she went to tell Abraham? You are the one who did this. If God comes, he will judge you. It's your fault. Am I the one who slept with her? It's you. You are the one. It's, it's your fault. You are the one who causes confusion. We are doing fine in this marriage. But you. Amen. It's your fault. Look at that. Then Sarah said to Abraham, my wrong be upon you. I gave you my maid into your embrace. And when she saw that she had conceived, I became despised in her eyes. He says, my fault is on you. Because I'm at fault, you are the one who's at fault. It's your fault. It's your fault that she became pregnant. Woman, my chance. So God knowing that, <laughs> oh, women are very amazing creatures. So you don't come to me saying, my, my girlfriend is very emotional. <laughs> it's like saying, my, my girlfriend, my girlfriend, she's a, she's a female. Pastor Mim, I have a problem. My girlfriend is female. <laughs> she overthinks. It's a balance. Because you, you don't overthink. She should overthink. It should be a balance. Because you, you are not emotional. She should be emotional. It's a balance. So she's trying to balance it up. And you know what a relationship does? It shows you what you are lacking. You need to be careful. So you can find... Why are you always angry at her? It's because of how she talks to me. No. It's not that you never used to be angry. You just never had. You just never had the, the litmus test. Now it has come in the same bedroom. Every day. And every hour. So now. Now you then realize. 
when you start then you realize I am always ang- I have an anger issue she has come to help me <laughs> but then the methods are a bit rugged so when you see she's always making you spend maybe it's because you are stingy it's not because we haven't budgeted no relax observe how has been my giving pattern Every day, kuna njema tsambeni. Every day, tsambeni. I'm washed in the blood. Every day, ulefika vya ulefika vya ulefika vya ulefika. Nimbi kama nishimbafwa. Till one day, yo, wine samba. She's trying, she's just trying to show you that you cannot continue being in-laws with water. And all the ladies said Okay. So, God just brought her and looked elsewhere. He's the one who started saying, "Hey, fresh of my feet." Started writing poems. Bone of my bones. What 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 what? You shall be called this thing. God was just listening. He said, "Okay." You see, I'm not the one. Me, I just put her there. I'm not the one. But he still blamed God that the woman you gave me all the men said woman <laughs> now so the way she's making you feel about some issues sometimes not every time sometimes look at yourself maybe she's trying to indicate to you an insufficiency and not that she's agitating you but you need to be honest and humble enough to look at it like that So God took her out of him. What he needed was well within him, right? But the purpose of God, since there was no prophet at the time, the purpose of God was to help him bring her out. So one of the purpose of your pastor is to help you bring what you don't know about out. This is why we are here. This is why we are talking to you the way we are talking to you. Is to help you bring out the things that God had placed in you. Somebody shout, I'm ready. We then went on to talk about Gideon. How that Gideon was a mighty man. But he didn't know it. So the angel came to him. And the angel now said, Mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. And then he said, because he had the, all he knew about himself was, it was a bad CV, very bad CV. I'm the last born. I was born out of prostitution. I'm from the tribe of Benjamin. Everything was everything he knew was bad, but he never knew. And then the angel told him, "Go in this why," meaning the angel did not come with fresh power from heaven. He was just trying to tell him there's already something in you to not be afraid go but he didn't know that means there can be something in you you are looking for that thing outside but the thing is already inside and then we went on to look at Moses remember that Moses was crying out to God saying but why are you treating me like I'm their mother am I the one who gave birth to them 
Am I the one who gave birth to them? That's what he said. Don't, don't look at me like that. And I, remember I asked you at how you say it in your language. Am I the one who gave birth to them? He was so upset. Why? And he said, why do you make me carry them? Why do you make me carry them? Why did you tell me to carry them like a mother carries her young? How, how do you expect me to feed all of these people? Now, let me tell you something. Already there, that's indicative of spiritual parenting. Because remember that Moses was in the flesh. So, for him to say, why do you expect me or tell me to carry them like a mother carries her young? In other words, he was saying how he feels in the spirit. But that feeling was not wrong. It was because that's how every spiritual parent feels. In other words, Moses was feeling like an actual parent to three million people. That's the grace that was on Moses. But then God told him to gather how many men? Hmm? How many men? 70 men. And he gathered them. And then God came down and he said, I will take what is on. Did he say I'm coming down with a fresh impartation from the dimension of the seventh heaven? He said, I will take what's on you and I'll put it on them and they will help you bear the burden. In other words, Moses was already able to take care of all of them alone. That's why God only took what was on him and then he spread it. Because that's what Moses wanted. So there was already something on Moses. The other time we see it is when Moses is facing the Red Sea, the Egyptians are coming at them. And then they can't cross the Red Sea. The Bible says after he preached the sermon to them, he said, the Egyptians, you see today, you shall see them no more, blah, 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 blah. You know, he said all these amazing things. And then he now turns to God and says, because God now responds to them and to him. And he says, why are you crying to me? Then he says, stretch forth your rod and do what? Stretch forth your rod on the waters and do what? And divide the waters. That means the solution was already in Moses. It was not in crying out to God. It's not every solution that is in God. Some solutions are in looking at the dimension of God within you. Because God put a part of himself in you. So, what have you done with that part that God had placed in you? Those are the questions you should be asking. What can I do? What can I do with what God has given me? Are you listening to me? Yeah. And then parted the Red Sea and they crossed on dry land. On dry ground. The other story was the story of Saul. Now, last week, I took you, we had an amazing question and answer session, right? How many enjoyed it? And we continued in the evening, we answered them. You did a great job. It's important for me because it helps me know the specific things. I depend on the Holy Spirit to tell me what to preach because he knows you better. However, sometimes I listen to you so that I also in that way know what you mean. Now, Last week, I opened up about Gideon, right? 
And what I want to now start talking to you is how to pull out those things within you. That those things within you that the world is looking for. That you don't know you have. That's what I'm introducing. I'm just introducing it. And I want us to begin. I told you the first one I told you is voluminous prayer. That is revelation, right? Good. Now, I want us to begin with, uh, since we already have this thing here. Please bring it closer. I want to write something. I want us to begin with Saul. The story of Saul begins in 1 Samuel chapter number 8. In 1 Samuel chapter number 8. Just take me to 1 Samuel chapter number 8. Now, this is going to be very important because many people asked me this question last week. Remember, I, I kept saying, I'm not going to answer this question. I'm not going to answer this question. It was repetitive. But I'm going to deal with it. The Bible says, now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel and, 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 and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba. But his sons did not walk in his ways because they were in Beersheba. They were Beer. Okay, forget it. It's not true. They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribe and perverted justice. So go back home and crack a dry jaw. Tell your friends, why did they pervert their ways? And tell him, because they were in Beersheba. Then all the elders of, of Israel, now is the part I want you to see, gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah. Let's go. And said to him, look, you are old. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now, make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So, the problem was not that the, the sons of Samuel were perverting justice. They, real, they used just that as an opportunity to express their comparative error. The problem is that they used to compare themselves with the people of the world. But they never had an opportunity to be like them. So when they had a small window, when those judges began to misbehave, they now said, eh, because they've misbehaved, we want you to make us a king so that we can be like the people of the world who have a king. This is one of the reasons why people walk out of their God-given calling, because they want to be like another person. Thank God for how God is blessing that person, but it's not every business you must invest in just because it worked for that person. Pray about it. Is your spirit still free? Because what happens is, you now look at another one you want to invest. Yes, there's a place for diversification, but for you, it's just a loin soul. You just, you just like looking at things. The Bible calls it the last of the eyes. So sometimes when a person succeeds, let's say they did a charcoal project, say, even me, I want. No, just praise God for that person and continue with what God has given you. Because mangoes are never ripe at the same time. So let's go. But the thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they said to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me. 
So when they rejected judges, judges are people, when you read the book of Judges, the spirit of God will come upon them in wisdom, in strategy, and in power. So they were able to rule the Israelites as if God was ruling the Israelites. So when Samuel came, Samuel was not just fighting, he was also appointed as a judge. That means he had the wisdom to bring about justice in matters that were concerning the Israelites. There were other people like Othniel, there were other people... Uh, different people came up. They were all judges, including Samuel. Samuel was not just a prophet. He was a judge. That means God would come upon these people and they will also have administrative responsibility. They would be the government of the Israelite nation. That is to mean they would have executive. They would also have judiciary and legislative powers because the spirit of God was upon them. That is to tell you that the perfect idea and the ideal picture of God's president should be a man of God, a man in whom the spirit is, so that God can inspire him to be in the legislature, to create laws, to be in the judiciary, to interpret laws and dispense justice, and also to be in the executive, to implement policy. So that is God's idea of who a president and a king should be. You should be a man filled with the spirit. So when they rejected the idea, what was supposed to happen is because those guys became corrupt, they were simply supposed to be removed and then prayer was supposed to be made for a new judge to come. But because they've now begun to envy the things of the world, they said it is not just Joe and Abijah we want to do away with. What they wanted to do away with was the entire system. So now God had to give them human presidents, Kaunda, Chiluba, Manawasa, HH, and although we may praise all these people, they have their serious weaknesses. You read about Kaunda. He's a father of the nation, people say, but have you read about his left side? Have you read about his left side? I mean his bad side. But that's a system we have endorsed. Now, they said they rejected the whole system of the Holy Spirit coming upon a man to lead them. It's a system they rejected. It's not just two people. So they said, we are tired of God's system. We want the one of the flesh, like the Hittites and the Moabites. Because they looked at how a king would look like, strong, and would be moving in a golden chariot. And he would have an entourage. And that would bring pride to the rest of the nation. They said, ah, we can't see the Holy Spirit. We want a king in the flesh like the worldly people. The Lord said, to, according to, and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all that they said to you. For they have not rejected you, but they've rejected me that I should not reign over them. Remember, the spirit of God would come upon these judges. So it is not just the judges they were rejecting when they wanted, they were doing away with the spirit of God leading them. So that's how come they rejected God. Let's go. According to all the works which they have done since the day I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day with which they have forsaken me and served other gods. So they are doing to you also. Now therefore heed their voice. However, you should solemnly forewarn them. And show them the behavior of the king who will reign over them. 
So Samuel told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. In other words, God gave them a benefit of a doubt. He said, okay, maybe let me help them by making them understand the ways of the kings, how kings behave. Let's go. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and appoint them for his own chariots and to be his horsemen. And some will run before his chariots. He will appoint captains over his thousands and captains over his fifties. He will set some to plow his ground and reap his harvest and some to take his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will take your daughters to be perfumers, cooks, and bakers. And he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive grounds and give them to his servants. He will take a tenth of your grain and your vintage and give it to his officers and servants. He will take your male servants, your female servants, your finest young men and your donkeys and put them to his work. He will take a tenth of your sheep and you will be his servants. And you will carry out in that and you will cry out in that day because your king whom you have chosen for yourselves and the Lord will not hear you in that day. He's warning them. He says maybe they will change their mind. Nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel and they said, eh, no, but you have a king over us. That's why the Bible calls them a hard necked people. Stiff necked people rather. Look at that. That we also may be like all the nations. Are you seeing that? The motivation was to leave God and be like the nations who are after idols. So the people you are envying to the extent that you are leaving God for them. How do they worship? The question is not do they worship? The question is how? Because every man worships. It is not possible to be a human being and not worship. That we also may be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. And Samuel heard all the words of the people and he repeated them in the hearing of the Lord. Let's go. And the Lord said to Samuel again, heed their voice and make them a king. And Samuel said to the people, okay, you guys, let's deal with this thing. Let's make you a king. All of you go to your city. Because it was an entire meeting. Now, this is where Saul comes in. The story of Saul begins here. Because in the next verse, the Bible now tells us there was a man named Saul. The one that God chose. Now, I told you that when he went to see the prophet after he lost the donkeys, the prophet said to him, I will tell you all that is in your heart. And then he thought, maybe it's about the donkeys which I lost. And then the prophet tells him, it's got nothing to do with the donkeys. That means even he didn't know what the prophet was going to talk to him about. And interestingly, it was nothing that Saul knew. He never knew he would be a king. To the extent that when they wanted to appoint him, when they were calling for him to be announced to the people, he was hiding in the equipment. That's what the Bible says. A tall, huge man hiding. And God chose Samuel 
God chose Saul based on the desires of the people. God chose Saul based on the flesh. Because the Bible says he was the tallest man and he was the most handsome man. So, you are, look, for all those who are single, you don't, you are following, be careful. See, you are free to choose who you, whoever you want to marry. But don't just go after the flesh. Our he is short. See, he's a good man, but ah, I just, ah, wait. So we have good men filled with the spirit in God's perfect plan for you. But because they can't say friends, they say friends. <laughs> You've disqualified them. You want a man that can speak English, that has a PhD. Tall, handsome, and dark in complexion. Are you any different from the Israelites? So God, God, there's this thing that God does where God gives you, he gives you over to your desires. So God chose, look, I mean, look at chapter 9. Look at the next verse, chap, next chapter. Uh-huh. And he, so the Bible says, and he, that's the father of Saul, he had a choice and handsome son whose name was Saul. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. This is a writer now recording. And the one who wrote this book is someone. Even a man would, would look at a man and say, boy, this, this man is, he's an, I mean, look at that. Now imagine the ladies. <laughs> if a fellow man would say, oh, Jesus, mentioned guys. Look at that. There was not a more handsome person than he among the children of Israel. From his shoulders upwards, he was taller than any of the people. He was a wonder. When Saul was walking, you would look at him and say, surely, the anointed of the Lord. And this is the same thing that happened when he went to choose a king among the sons of Jesse. When he saw Eliab coming, he was tall and handsome like Saul. And he said in his heart, surely, that's some of the prophets, this is the anointed of the Lord. And the Lord said, no, I have rejected him. Problem is you look at the outside. But me as God, I look at the heart. But when God was choosing, not out of his will, but because they bended his arm, he chose according to the flesh. So that when they see him, they would say, behold the king. Why? Because he looks like a king. The Bible says, and Lot lifted his eyes. When he was given an opportunity to choose, he lifted his eyes. And there was this side where it was green and nice. And he told Abraham, mm, I'm going this side. And where Abraham was going was dry. There was nothing. Then God told him, hey, you see, I'll give you all this land, including where he's going. Are you following me? So the story of Saul begins here. It begins after the people of God have rejected God and his systems. And they have picked their own. Mm, this is interesting. This is where now I'm coming in. 
If you can't see, listen carefully. But if you want to see, there's enough space on the floor. Everywhere here, if you're interested, you can just come sit. Now, we have a situation here. How many are awake and they are listening to me very closely? This is, go- this is going to be very critical for the rest of your life. What I'm about to explain to you now, if I were you, I wouldn't go out. I would fight the dozing and tell it to behave. Give me the scripture which says Christ was crucified from the foundations of the earth. Give me the scripture. Find it. So, excellent. There's more space here if you want. But if you're okay, that's fine. But there's enough space. Quickly, quickly, because I need to write something. I've always wanted to do this. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Don't worry, just pay attention. Can you all see? It's okay. Okay, it's going to make sense. I am here telling you about how God operates. That sometimes God puts things in people that they don't know about. Now, I'll start from this last part. Not not that one. There's one in the book of Revelations which says he was crucified before the foundations of the earth. That one is good. We have a perfect system here, which is the system of God. We are calling this the perfect will of God, right? And in this perfect will, he is choosing judges, right? And these judges are ruling over God's people. These are God's people here. This is the system of God. The system of judges. And in God's perfect will, this is the system he has put in place. So judges come from here, from God's throne. And then, the spirit of God is upon them. Then they come to judge the people here. You see that? Now, the people get tired of this system because they've seen another system somewhere. And they say, give us a system of kings that they may rule us like the nations of the world. So now, God has to get into his imperfect will. There are two dimensions. There are three dimensions of the perfect will of God. There are three dimensions of the will of God. There is the perfect will, there is the acceptable, and then there is 
Now I'm going to divide them only into two. The perfect and imperfect. Because whether acceptable or good, it's still imperfect. See that? So there is another system here. It's a system of kings. Right? You're following me? Oh, this is going to be interesting. It's a system of kings. God already knew it. God already knows it. But this is proper for them because he knows this one can't work. So because they have insisted, God now begins allowing kings to come here. It was not God's initial plan. He knew it. This was his plan. But because the people have insisted, he now starts another system. Okay. The Bible says, all who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life. In the book of life, okay, good. Of the lamb slain from the so slain from the foundation. Other versions say before the foundation of the earth was laid, Christ was crucified. The scripture we are seeing, let me just read it from the book of First Peter. First Peter chapter one, verse twenty. I'm gonna read it from the Passion Translation, it says, this was part of God's plan, for he, Christ, was chosen and destined for this before the foundation of the earth was laid, but he has been made manifest in these last days. Okay? So, the picture that we have is that Christ was crucified before what? The foundation of the earth was let me explain. These are time zones, right? There's this time zone. Then there's a next time zone. Then there's a next time zone. Let me make it bigger. Bigger every day. Maybe it does not move in reverse. These are time zones. I'm going to say time zones in, in court, right? Court on court. Because there's a place we don't know whether we can define as time. But for the sake of understanding, we'll define it as time. So we have this. We have this time zone, right? This space is a time zone. You see it? Then we have this space. It's also a time zone, right? Then we have this space. It's also a time zone. So, the Bible says Christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth were laid. Now, you agree with me that the earth is made out of matter. And matter exists in time and in space. So it cannot exist if it is not in time. 
and in space. But before time and space, before time and space was created, the Bible says Christ was crucified. We are saying that the world is matter and matter cannot exist outside time. It also needs space to exist. Are you following me? But Christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth were laid. That means he was crucified outside time. Now, that outside time is within God. Because where was God living before time was made? Or since God also created eternity, where was God living? Because I told you last time that immortal spirits can be traced in a period of eternity. Why? Because Ezekiel 28 says, you were perfect in the day and from the day of your creation until sin was found in you. That's an immortal spirit called Satan or Lucifer as he then was. So although he is immortal and although he is eternal, there's a point in the realm of eternity to which he can be traced as the day, quote-unquote, of his creation. So even immortal spirits which dwell in the dimension of eternity have a point in the passing and in the passage and continuum of eternity to which their creation can be traced. That is to mean that if God created immortal spirits, then God also had to create a realm for them to exist and the realm that befits who they are and the essence of their nature is eternity. That is also to mean that God created eternity. So if God created eternity, then God is greater than eternity and eternity cannot contain him. So the easiest way we can describe God is a God who exists in, in himself. Because even in heaven, God is a mystery. They don't understand him. So they study him even in heaven. So when you go to heaven, you will continue learning about God because God is a mystery. They've not figured him out in heaven yet. They are still trying to figure him out. That's why the elders say, holy, holy is the Lord. Because they are, they are shocked every time they see him. Are, you, are we together? So when God was making this very executive decision within a community of three, he had to make it within himself, between Father, Son, and Spirit. So the Father, Son, and Spirit went into their uh, it, their ageless boardroom. And they said, let us make man in our own image and after our own likeness. And when they made that, I'm sure it was a very difficult meeting. Because they were saying, if we are going to create a guy who is exactly like us, that means he can think like us, he can talk like us, he can behave like that, us. And he must also be given a right to obey or disobey. The way that we can do anything we want, that means he can even disobey us. Unlike angels, they can't disobey. Twice we read angels disobeying. They were chased and no one came to die for them. Because <laughs> they, are, they don't have that privilege. But then this kind of being we are going to create, who is going to be exactly like us, he says, mm, what if he disobeys? What if he does something that we don't like? So after having a deep meeting, they say, God the way. You are going to die before time. Before we create this man, we have to make a plan B to redeem him. In case, in case, I'm telling you, I'm not guessing, I'm telling you. So God had to come up with a plan B. So the scriptures now are telling us that Christ was crucified before the foundation of the earth was laid. So the crucifixion was here. 
God's ultimate plan was to make man in his own image and likeness, not the earth. No, that was his grand plan. Because the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we are his masterpiece, his handiwork. An artist's handiwork is the best creation of their life and their works. So God was, the reason why he was creating the earth the way he was creating it was so that his masterpiece could exist there. But before he did that, he had a meeting. And God the word, it was, it was decided that God the word would die outside time before the foundations of the earth are laid. So Christ was crucified here. This is a cross. This is a time zone caught in God. It's not eternity. It's agelessness. So here, Christ was crucified. They did the death, the burial, the resurrection here. It's about to make sense. Then now they came into the realm of time. Have you seen this other time zone? In this time zone, the earth was created. And everything in it. In the next time zone, man was created. Man was created. Are you seeing how we are moving? Now, this is in, I believe this is a realm of agelessness. This is the edge of time. This is the edge of time. We are now dealing with dispensation. In the next dispensations, in the dispensations to come now, Adam decides to disobey now. Remember, Christ was crucified before the foundations of the earth were laid. Why? Because it was not that it was dictated that a human being was going to disobey God. But, listen to me, there was a chance. It was not that God knew that he was going to disobey. Huh? I'll explain. It was that there was a chance. Everybody say chance. I'll explain to you the chance. So, when the human being disobeyed, it was God's plan that he will be in the garden, that he will enjoy everything in the garden, and he will expand the presence of God to the uttermost, uttermost part of the earth. That was God's perfect plan. That was God's perfect plan. But there was also the imperfect will of God. Remember, there are two kinds. There's a perfect will and the imperfect will of God. The perfect and imperfect will are both wills of God. And the only reason why we have an imperfect will is God because we've got a human being who is like God. Mm, it will make sense. We have to. We have to have an imperfect will. Because we've got a human being who is exactly like God. So, he had an opportunity to either obey God and not eat of the fruit or to eat of it. But he chose to eat of it. And once he fell, they now had to bring in plan B, which they had created, and bring it into manifestation. So the dying of Christ was not happening for the first time. It was already pre-planned. So that if Adam eats the forbidden tree, he could be redeemed by the death of God. Wait, it's going to make sense. It's going to make sense. Why do we have the imperfect will of God?
says something good. Everything. Quickly, quickly, quickly. It's okay. People will still be able to see. I think that's good. Thank you, Peter. So, God creates a human being. I hope those are water. Okay, I thought it was a man. God creates a human being in his own image and after his own likeness. Do you know what this means? This means that you are creating a human being with a specific purpose, but with endless possibilities of what they can do. There's a specific purpose you are creating that human being, but because they are like you, they have endless possibilities of what they can do. Come, let me have one person to use as an example. To be created like God means this. You see this guy where he is. It means if he wants, he can just jump here and damage his leg or something. It means if he wants, he can go back to break you. Yes. If he wants, he can just go crazy and sit in the middle of the road. If he wants. Aren't you able to do that? Yes. That's what it means to be a human being. To be a human being means to be created after the image and likeness of God means to have limitless possibilities. That is to mean this guy can do anything. This guy can wake up just right now and go to London. What is he going to do? And he can say nothing. That's what it means. to. It means if he wants, he can just bring out his sweet and begin chewing it. Just here. He can do anything. It means he can marry that one, marry that one. He can do anything. Regardless of the perfect will of God. Let me tell you, the perfect will of God for this guy could be to stay in Zambia, right? But he can say, I don't want. Even Jonah refused. The perfect will of God was for him to go to Nineveh. So God had to wake hard, have meeting with fishes, just so that he could help him go in the perfect will of God. Imagine. But how many people has God has to release a fish? Let me give you an example. Oh, no, I'll, I'll not, I'm, I'm about to go to something very exciting. So, this guy has endless possibilities. So, me as an all-knowing God, I decided to create him exactly like me, and I put him in a garden where there's a tree he must not eat of. My perfect will is that he must not eat of that tree. But there's a chance... There's a chance that he can eat. Do I know that he will eat it definitely? Relax. This is an all-knowing God, remember? So what I'm trying to do right now is to explain the limitation of the all-knowing God. What makes God, who is all-knowing, do not know, although he knows what he doesn't know? We are dealing with an all-knowing God. And what I'm trying to explain to you is what makes an all-knowing God to not know what he already knows. That although he knows what will happen, 
he doesn't know it will happen, although he knows it may not happen or it will happen. So the beauty is in the confusion. You, you understand it. I don't think people, this is where predestination people get it wrong. Here is the power of the all-knowing God, right? I'm now introducing to you what I call the paintbrush theory. This you want to paint. This is, this is the handle, right? Right? This is the handle. Now, these are the brushes, right? I used to call it the Y theorem, but it developed. Remember the Y theorem? Now, some of you may not know it. This is, a, this is your paintbrush. Can you all see it? Are you all able to at least imagine it? Yes. The one they have created there. The wheel of man is like the brushes of the paintbrush theory, um, of, of the paintbrush. It's got so many brushes, and each of these are the endless possibilities of what a man who is here can do. This is a man who is here. All these things that he can do, can you count them? I, whoever sat down to count the paintbrush or the numbers of hairs in your head, that, those are the limitless possibilities of a human being and what the human being is able to do. Are you following me? In other words, let's say in this one, he can be an engineer. In this one, he can be a doctor. In this one, he can do photocopying and binding. In this one, he can be an entrepreneur. In this one, he can be a house husband. In this one, he can be a driver. In this one, he can be a pastor, a pilot. Like it's endless. And he can do it. Because if you want, you can, okay, who will stop you if you want to, you can just, where you are, you can go to med school. You can just go. You can't be stopped because you are a human being. That's why in contract, there was, there's what we call the sanctity of choice. That is to mean when two people are making an agreement, they have to be allowed to be free to decide. But when you come to employment law, it differs. The one who has the powers calls the shots. So you are given a contract to sign or to walk away. But initially, you must negotiate the terms. So, you can be all these things you are here. Meanwhile, there's this one thing. Maybe say, to be a preacher. This is what God wanted you to be. But you are here. Now, imagine the endless possibilities of what you can be. So when God is creating you, there's one specific strand he wants you to follow. This is a perfect will of God. But there are all these options you have. And all of these options are possibilities. And God won't stop you. He may try. But if you insist, like the Israelites insisted on having a king, he had to permit them because it was well within their rights to choose any of the options embedded in their free will. God told them it's not the best but they insisted, so God said, let them have. Why? Because it is given to a human being to make, to, to have the right to choose even the wrong thing. It is part of being human. Now, 
The all-knowingness of God comes in here. Let's imagine, in this one, you are supposed to be an engineer. We are in 20 what? This is 2023, 2024, 2025. God's perfect will for you, for example, is to be a pastor, right? But you just want to be an engineer. So, as you walk, you follow the strand of being an engineer. What God, in the unknowingness of God, God has traveled into your life as an engineer. He's traveled to 2021, 2022, 2024, and where you will end. He has literally been there. That is to mean, in your life as an engineer, in that one of the multiverses, where you choose to be an engineer, God knows that in 2023, you will meet a man from the States, you will get a job, then you will meet a wife, then you get married. But then, because you've disobeyed God, what is going to happen in 2025, God knows, because him, he's been there in your 2025. This girl is going to carry all your children, and you're going to be left with nothing. You are going to point against God, because you'll be asking God where he is. And you're going to drink doom and kill yourself, and no one will help you. So God has been there. In your life, as a doctor, 22, God knows everything in detail, meaning he has traveled to 2023, and he has seen the hospital you'll be working at. Everyone will celebrate you, your graduation, your parents will be happy. God has visited that scene, he has looked at it. Then he has gone to the next year where you start working in a hospital. But you don't know that that hospital is a fraud, and all of you will be arrested, you'll be thrown in jail for two years, you'll lose your, your license. God has walked, your wife will leave you. Everything is, he has walked there. Then maybe you have a business and you start making a pit in that business. Meanwhile, maybe you'll be making 4,500 a month. That was not God's perfect will for you. You start even going to church, but that was not God's initial, initial will for you. But because God has to accept the fact that you've repented and you have to move on, we have settled in what is okay. It was not God's initial perfect will. And in God's perfect will, you should have died at 100. But because of the level of disobedience and the things that have depressed you, at 70, you pack your bags. Then your life as a musician. <laughs> he has also seen your life as a musician. You have a lot of fame at, the same, at, at a go. But then you become bitter as you go on in 2026. Because another young minister will arise. That God is preparing for that period. And then because you, you left everything just to do music, you will be so depressed. You'll be wondering where God is. And the only way, the only way maybe is for you to go and submit under that young man and be his manager. But then you will still be dealing with like a comparative analysis, which is unhealthy. And then you will go to 2036, and then you'll be old, you have, you will, you'll be serving God in church, yes, but you would have done better, you know what I'm saying. So, go back to 2022. So, after God reaches 2036, he says, no, he shouldn't walk this path. Now, your life as a pastor, this is the perfect will of God for you. Because that's how God created you. So, God now takes you into your life as a pastor. You will meet this girl. You will marry. It will be an amazing wedding. 
when you start, you will start small. God is now in 2023. You start small, there will be not so much. People will not even like you. You are trying to preach and not understanding 2023, 2024, 2025. Then 2026, God knows this is when your breakthrough will come. Meanwhile, you are thinking your friend who is an engineer is doing fine. They don't know where you, if you went that route, where you would be. Your disadvantage is you've not been into the future. But God created it. So he's been there in detail. He's visited the house you stay in. It's not built, but he has visited it. Because he is God. That's why he's called God. If he can't visit a house which has not been built, then he's not God. So he visits it. He goes to the business. He will start how it will struggle for a year. Then boom, there will be a deal which will just change your life. How that even though things are not happening, at least you will have peace. God will inspire your peace. So you have seen it. Your children will be healthy. You will grow up. <laughs> so he comes back to you now in 2022. And he's, he's trying to tell you, you being a pastor is your way. Now you are looking at all the pastors who are struggling and you are saying, I do feel the will of God, but engineering. I can still save God and be an engineer. For you, no, 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 no. Go full time. No, 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 no. Just do it first. Don't worry. Engineering. So, the, God knows all things and all time zones. He knows them. From end to beginning, he's been to the end. He's been to the past. God was there even before your great-grandfather was born. And he can visit and says, this is the same error that his great-grandfather made. That is about me. Because he's God. He does not exist in time. He exists in himself. Not even outside time. Because even immortal beings can exist out outside time. But he exists in himself. I'm about to conclude. Look at your neighbor and say, don't doze off. So imagine God has been to all the future. And you, guess where you are? You are here. You don't know what the future holds. What you know is that there are endless decisions and limitless possibilities of what you can do. You don't know which one is the correct one. Or even if you know the correct one, you can disobey because you've got the right. So what God cannot do, he cannot change this because if he changes it, then he's taking away from your humanity. We don't temper with someone's free will. It's called witchcraft. That's why you can't command a man to fall in love with you. Even if you like them, you just have to be patient because they have to decide. You can't command a girl to follow you. No. What if she refuses? Bending someone's will is a sin. God can't do it. That's why even though he's everywhere, when they were eating the fruit, he didn't stop them because they decided. He couldn't deny himself. And so, what now happens is this. God will tell you, Deuteronomy 30 verse 19, I've set before you all these options, but there's one you should choose so that you will have a good life. It's called my perfect will. And you say, no, engineer will. So whilst God knows all things, what he chooses not to know is what you're going to decide. But when you decide that, he knows exactly what will happen to you day by day, hour by hour, future by future. 
So God knew the life of Adam after he eats, what will happen. He saw that life. That's why he was able to crucify Jesus before the foundations of the earth were laid. Because he traveled into our future. He traveled and he saw it. He didn't like it. And he said, in case he disobeys, the best way is to get one of us to die so that we can redeem him. But God's hope was that he shouldn't so that he can remain in the garden. But since there is a chance, because we've given him all these limits, let's crucify one of us. Are you following me? Yes. What I'm trying to tell you in English is that the death of Christ was plan B. It was not the perfect will of God. The death of Christ was not God's perfect will. It fell in the imperfect will. Because if Adam had not eaten the forbidden fruit, was there a need for him to die? Huh? That's plan B. So when God is, is creating human beings, he creates plan Bs also. So for example, it was not God's perfect will for Joshua to take the Israelites into Canaan. It was not. He told Moses, you should take them to the promised land. But because Moses chose not to and they had the right to disobey as a human being, he fell off. So God had to bring another one. It's how God operates. Hmm. Are you following me? Whilst God knows your whole future in every strand and every multiverse that you decide to go to, what God has left for you is for you to decide because he can't temper with that. This is the reason why God tests people. Because if God already knew everything, then there would be no need to test people. But that would also make every human being a robot. It is the reason why God tested Hezekiah. The Bible says God tested him to see what was in heart, in his heart. In other words, God wanted to see what Hezekiah would decide. Because Hezekiah is a separate entity from God with the capacity to choose what he wants to do or what he doesn't want to do, whether he disobeys God or he obeys him. So God is looking forward. That's why God tests you. Because whilst God knows what will happen to you after you disobey him, he decides not to know whether you're going to disobey him or not. Because it is in your free will. That's the reason why Jesus was taken to be tempted. There would have been no need if Jesus didn't have the right to eat. The, when Satan says, you have power, he says, what? I never knew food, cook, eat. The only reason that qualified Jesus to be tempted was because as a human being, he had the right to disobey God. So he had to be tempted to see that he's a better Adam than the one who decided to disobey. Him, he went with the perfect will of God. Now imagine, as we speak, God has an entire universe where Jesus disobeyed and he ate the, the things that Satan told him to eat. But thank God we will never see that because Jesus obeyed. Had Adam never disobeyed, this world would have been existent in the many strands, in the many brushes. But it would have never materialized. You know why? Because Adam would have obeyed God. He would have never known it. It would have been just a secret of God. The same way the only reason we 
if we were in that perfect world where Adam did not eat of the forbidden fruit, we would have not known that Christ was crucified before the foundations. It would have been a deep secret of God. So you can imagine how many secrets God holds. God did not tell him. God did not tell Joshua that you will also be a king. You will also be a leader of the Israelites. He didn't. But you know what he did? He put a certain part in Joshua. That would only be activated in case Moses disobeys. In other words, there are people in whom God locks abilities that belong to other men in case those other men disobey. But if those men never disobey, then some of those men who should take over from them will never know that it was in them to become president. It will be a secret of God. So there are some things that God has placed in you that you will never know until someone disobeys. Because there are some people that God raises only because some men disobeyed. And so, this is so. In so, there was God's contingency plan for a king of Israel. God saw the future of Saul as a king and he placed it in him. That's why he said to, to the prophet Samuel, I will tell you all that is in your heart and it has nothing to do with donkeys. So there was a part in Saul which was kingly, but Saul never knew it. And had they not rejected God, had they not rejected the systems of God, so that judges are dealt away with and judges continued, Saul would have never known there's a king in him. He would have just died an old happy man, but there was a king in him. So one way to know the things that are hidden in your heart that you never knew is through someone's disobedience. <laughs> it's called the replacement procedure. Some of, you, some of you, it is in you to be president. God is just waiting for some political leader who is not even yet president to make an error. The moment that happens, it was not really in plan that Esther, you can see, that Esther should become queen, but because Vashti disobeyed, a replacement had to be born. Esther was just a widow. She was just a foreigner. I mean, I mean she, was just, she was just an orphan. She was just a foreigner. She would never think she'd be a king. A queen, rather. Did you know that it was not even in Elisha's destiny to become the next prophet, except that Elijah chose to die. He was tired. He left. So there was a guy who was following him. So one way to know what is in your heart is through the disobedience of other people. When those other people disobey, then you begin to rise. Should you pray that other people should disobey? No. <laughs> Why? Because that one only comes as the will of God. God will activate it when he sees there's need. 
Do you remember I told you a story in, the, in, the, in, my, in my diary of supernatural encounters? Remember? I told you a story where when God was calling me to start a church, he came to tell me, I am going to give you a place which was not originally yours. Meaning, there are people that would have been running a ministry like this. But God told me, I didn't want to know them. God, anyways, is not a gossip. <laughs> but God told me, I'm going to give you a place which was not originally yours. I believe there are people who could be doing better than me. But because they disobeyed, God had to unlock certain parts which I never knew. I never, when I was telling Linda, when I saw Nile, so Nene and Vene Flavian, I'm going to start the ministry next week. They were all in shock. They all believed I would start the ministry two years from, five years from now. But something was activated because somebody was not doing their job right. Do you know that's what Catherine Kuman said also? Catherine Kuman used to say, I'm only here because someone disobeyed. The only reason we have the second Adam and the second Adam had to be activated was because the first Adam disobeyed. So there was part of God which was in God, which was man. But it was never going to be activated until there was a disobedience. Then God became man. So we've looked at so next week I'm going to show you other ways in which you can activate the things that are on the inside of you. Let's stand. Did you know, like I always tell you, that healing is not God's perfect will? Had there not been sin and, and sickness, you would have never known the power of healing. It would have been God's secret. Because you'd have been walking in a realm called life. And in life, there's no sickness. It would have been a secret of God. I can just imagine how many secrets God has. Oh, 